0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, Undying Light listeners. This is your host, Alex, and we are back at it once again with another new episode in our Sacrament series. Very, very excited for this, uh, and even more so because I've just got to spend the last 20 minutes or so of my day uh, doing some technical difficulty work on my recording equipment. Uh, So I hope all the kinks are worked out for this show because. I'm very excited to uh, bring you new and fresh content. So we find ourselves back in the Uggsberg Confession, more or less. We're going to look at uh, a whole variety of things in the Book of Concord now uh, as we continue our journey looking at the sacraments. So right now, our biggest focus is baptism and understanding how the Lutheran position is on baptism. Again, this is a part five of this little series in the sacraments. So I advise you so that way you don't miss out on any context to go back and, uh, and, and, and and hear the first, uh, few episodes. You know, I, I, I listened to every one of them before this one, if you haven't already, and it's crucial because it, helps again build fundamental knowledge build foundational knowledge to the lutheran position and you know i i will admit i probably got a little uh heavy on a couple of those episodes you know a little passionate and and but this is a topic that means a lot to me um the sacraments are very very close and dear to my heart and and so i i just find it you know I find it tough when I see other Christians just kind of play them off or downplay them a little bit. And that really hurts. So, my goal is to come to you, explain this in the most efficient and compassionate manner as I can. And so, I hope that you guys are enjoying this content. And even if it is spicy for you, uh, even if this does go against what you guys normally hear uh, or believe, you know, I, I'm uh, presenting another. You know, avenue, that there's another door out there, if you would. And funny enough, uh, I actually had somebody who's, uh, I'm not going to say his name, but he's a Reformed Presbyterian, and he's going to seminary to be ordained as a Presbyterian pastor. And he messaged me the other day, he goes, I really don't know what to do. I'm really convinced of the Lutheran faith, and I don't know if I should continue doing what I'm doing. And I'm like, that's really... Kind of, I think it's two things. It's crazy that that happens, and I think it's amazing. Uh, And look, I'm not saying that Lutherans are right because we're not right about everything. We just have a different hermeneutic, and and I think it's a good hermeneutic for, uh, for the for the not average, but for the for the normal person, for the for the everyday church going person. The Lutheran faith, the Lutheran theology, is a comforting doctrine to them. And I always play it this way. Yes, Calvin was a preacher, but Calvin was also first a lawyer, where and and he was much more of an academical type preacher. He was very, you know, uh, everything was very high, if you would, in his church. Whereas Luther was much more of a in the trenches type preacher, you know, living life with his congregants and uh, you know working through life's problems. Uh, You see that demonstrated in a lot of his letters to individuals. Well, You know, I can't really compare and say either or is better or worse because Luther had as many problems as Calvin did and Calvin had as many problems as Luther did. Uh, They were both fallible men. They both, you know, caused big problems. And I think the big thing for most people today is uh, we try to um, perhaps set these men on a pedestal and say that these are our men, you know, we're, we we're the, the faith. And I think Lutherans uh, would say, yeah, we, we agree with what Luther teaches, but he's not on a pedestal. And Luther would even say that uh, what we believe as Christians is what the Bible teaches. And what we believe is, uh, you know, Lutherans is even more importantly, what the Bible teaches. And, and, in understanding that we go to uh, the, creeds and we're going to read a couple little lines <clears throat> in the creeds for you because we're going to uh, dig into uh, the context today in the book of concord but we believe in the creeds as being a proclamation of our faith and we believe in how the scriptures are read and that's how the Augsburg of uh, confession was written it was how the book of concord was con- built uh, it was designed and and written around the proclamation of faith. And uh, again, go back and hear those episodes on the Augsburg and you'll catch uh, all of the historical uh, depth of the you know political environment that was going on <clears throat> in that time. I do apologize. I am again getting over another head cold. I don't know what's going on out here in Iowa, but Uh, I, my wife and I, and my kids have been just kicked in the butt these last few weeks. And uh, I'm on the back end now of a, of this weird head cold. So I got still some grogginess going on in my throat. So I'm going to try to keep the throat clearing to a minimum. And if I have to uh, hack along out here on the floor, I'll uh, make sure to mute the mic for that. So I want to get into this really quick. Uh, We got a lot to cover and If you've noticed, um, I don't do any of like my opening banter, uh, that I do on my Friday show. Uh, I don't do any, you know, uh, come join us on Patreon and check out logos and buy my shirts type thing. Uh, I don't do any of that on this show. I I don't know if you've ever made that connection, but I don't, uh, Tuesdays are strictly doctrinal, uh, a little bit of heads up on things coming up and that's it. I don't want to get into anything else. Friday is kind of my bantery type, uh, show. So. Nicene Creed. Uh, Nick has done a great job walking from Christ Cures, done a great job walking through uh, the history and the context for the Nicene Creed. Um, and and I'm curious uh, and and I don't know if I want to really go out on the limb to say it, but uh, I think depending on how he handles the last line in the uh, Nicene Creed, we him and I may may just disagree on that. I don't know how he's going to interpret it. Uh, I have not listened to that yet. But uh, I am curious. I'm not going to exegete the Nicene Creed. I'm just simply making a statement as this is a proclamation of the Lutheran faith, and this is what we believe. And so in that, um, I am kind of curious where he, where him and I line up on this. Uh, I know there are uh, disagreements between him and I in terms of baptism. Uh, I know there are disagreements with him and I on the uses of baptism. And that's totally fine. It's healthy. You know, him and I are still brothers in Christ. We still can have great conversations, uh, but there's just some stuff we don't agree with. And it's the same thing with, you know, some of the disp- yeah, the dispensationalism in the eschatology circles. I don't agree with that theology, but I have brothers who, who are, who are sold out on it. That's their bread and butter. Uh, so disagreements are fine as long as it doesn't remove the fundamental truth of scripture. And whatever mode of baptism you believe in, um, again, I, I'm one staunchly of it, it it being a sacrament, and I made that very clear in the first episode, uh, and I believe that it is a means by which God conveys grace to us through his word and an element. So the Nicene Creed uh, makes this closing statement It says, I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins. And I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the age to come. Amen. Again, more context to what it's actually being uh, proclaimed, but there is a lot of history to the Nicene Creed. And I would advise you to, um, take the opportunity and, uh, go and listen to Nick's episodes and, uh, and, and dig into that content. Um, here we go into uh, Article Nine. This is baptism. This is uh, we're just reading the Augsburg Confession right now. We're going to move into further stuff uh, today, depending on how we uh, how time kind of moves for us. Uh, I would like to get through a few of these passages um, if we can uh, get through. Uh, through the apology, we'll see. I don't, I don't know how many lines I have in that. How many statements there are, but this is there's only three in, in the confession. So this is what the Augsburg uh, Confession states, Article Nine: It is taught among us that baptism is necessary and that grace is offered through it. Children too should be baptized, for in baptism they are committed to God and become acceptable to Him. On this account, the Anabaptists who teach in, that infant baptism is not right are Rejected. I think we might have covered this when we went through the confession uh, on in the previous series, but we uh, obviously did not take the opportunity to dig into it. So um, there's a lot that is built into this construct. Oh yeah, we'll be able to move through uh, the apology and maybe even get into Luther's Catechism here. Um. And, and before we get into the apology, I, I do want to kind of preference this a little bit. Um, my goal is to, I, I'm not going to be able to fully exhaust, but I want to really address all of the questions that people may have around baptism from the Lutheran perspective. Uh, we talked about the Bible verses so far. We've talked about early church fathers. We're now looking at the uh, book of Concord. And if we're going to look at um, Luther's large and small catechism in that, but also in all of that, I want to ensure that we have, uh, hammered out all of the little nooks and crannies of the Lutheran faith. So, uh, hopefully I pray that you can take this and, um, just dwell on it, study it, learn it, see if it fits your scope. If not, that's okay. But I am just simply presenting this for your listening ears. Um, I don't know how many episodes are going to be in this series. Uh, this is part five of the baptism one. I think the Lord's Supper probably won't be near as long, but uh, depending on how we do uh, that show construct, we will uh, we will probably make you know anywhere between three and five or six episodes uh, uh, for that show. And again, you know, keep it at about thirty minutes each. So here is the apology. And uh, this is again, apology in article nine for baptism. It says they approve the ninth article where we confess that baptism is necessary for salvation. Children are to be baptized. The baptism of children is not, is not useless, but it is necessary and efficacious for salvation. Among us, the gospels taught purely and diligently. We have therefore received this fruit from it by God's favor that no Anab- Anabaptists have arisen in our churches since our people have been armed by God's word against the wicked and sedacious faction of these robbers. Among the many heirs of the Anabaptists that we condemn is also their assertion, assertion that baptism of children is useless. It is almost certain that the promise of salvation also applies to little children. It does not apply to those who are outside of Christ's church where there's neither word nor sacrament because Christ regenerates through word and sacrament. Therefore, it is necessary to baptize children so that the promise of salvation might be applied to them according to Christ's command in Matthew 28, 19. Baptize all nations just as their salvation is offered to all. So baptism is offered to all men, women, children, and infants. Therefore, it is clearly It clearly follows that infants should be baptized because salvation is offered through baptism. Secondly, since, there, since it is evident that God approves the baptism of little children, the Anabaptists teach wickedly that they condemn the baptism of little children. That God does not approve the baptism of little children is shown by the fact that God gives the Holy Spirit to those who are baptized this way. For this baptism were you for if this baptism were useless, the Holy Spirit would be given to none. None would be saved, and ultimately there would be no church. The point by itself can effectively confirm good and godly minds against the ungodly and frantic- frantical opinions of the Anabaptist. So, uh, we 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 have to assert a few things with. Um, with the whole framework here of baptism, uh, and, and again, understanding, uh, who Luther or, well, Melanchthon for that matter, and who the authors of the Augsburg are writing against, um, there were many people who obviously opposed the Lutheran faith uh, outside of the Roman Catholics. Uh, there were, you know, even these kind of divisions of the Anabaptists already sprouting, uh, in this time period. And so that's why they see all throughout the confession, the, the condemning of their, uh, their faith and more so condemning of their actions towards re- the, the Anabaptist rejection of how the Lutherans felt, uh, the Lutherans in this time period and, and many still today, maybe not all, but many still today, uh, believe that through the word and sacrament, obedience and faith is given. And I use that to say that without the word and sacrament being present, one can't have faith and one then therefore can't be obedient. If you have the word and sacrament in a place, then God's word is being given to people, whether it's through the sermon preaching, through the bread and wine, through the baptism, wherever that is happening, God's grace, God's presence is being made known faith goes out to the people and people come back and are reconciled to him and so it's a beautiful truth and and i think you know one of the things that people like to argue with this is that uh baptism is merely an ordinance and they would say that it's just merely a means by which we are to be obedient to god and then we should make a proclamation of our faith and demonstrate to god that we know what we're talking about that's not how it works. Jesus didn't go to Matthew or any of the other apostles when he was out calling them and say, can you tell me what your faith is before you, <laughs> you follow me? No. He says, uh, come follow me to the fishermen. He says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And I think that's beautiful because it shows the fact that it's not about our work. It is nothing about our profession, our confession, or proclamation. It is all about the work of Christ. And that's how Lutherans view baptism. Baptism is not a work, one. Two, it's not anything man does. And three, it is all solely by God's work. It is all done by Him through His Word, entering the water and covering the person being baptized. So we're going to jump into the small called articles. Uh, And then if we have time today, we're going to look at Luther's large and small uh, catechism and see where we stand with that. So baptism here in these small called articles, this is what Luther wrote. Uh, This is kind of his little bit of a confession, if you would. He says here, baptism is nothing else than the word of God and water commanded by the institution of Christ, or as Paul says, the washing of water with the word. Or again, as Augustine puts it, the word is added to the element and it becomes a sacrament therefore we do not agree with thomas and the uh, demonicans who forgot the word god's institution and say that god has joined to the water in a spiritual power though the water washes away sin nor do we agree with uh, Scotus and the Francis who teach that baptism washes away sin through the assistance of the divine will as if the washing takes place only through God's will and not at all through the word and power, uh, through the word in the water. As for infant baptism, we hold that children should be baptized. They too are included in the promise of redemption, which Christ has made. The church should administer baptism to them. This is Luther's position. And this was not (coughs) controversial in this time period. Uh, more, more people than not held to infant baptism. And and it wasn't really until even shortly after this that we started to see a bigger split in the church where uh, children were essentially denied baptism until they can make a proclamation of faith. And, and that's kind of prevalent now with these big non-denominational churches. They won't baptize infants. They'll only baptize if you can, you know, Say you're giving your life to Jesus type thing, which again goes against what Scripture really teaches us. Um, And I think maybe once we get through all of this stuff, what we'll do is we'll go back and look at those verses uh, of Scripture again. And we'll pull out some examples and we'll dig into that context a little bit deeper and, and really affirm and illustrate our position on how we see Scripture teaching baptism. Because Matthew 28 is often one that uh, people like to uh, take and and manipulate, if you would. And uh, they try to say, well, you can't baptize somebody until you make them disciple. Well, that's not kind of, it's not really the right order. Uh, Jesus says, go to make disciples. And you do this by baptizing and teaching them. The baptismal and teaching have to be put together in order to make a disciple. And so when you baptize somebody, you're already taking that first step in, in in welcoming them into the Christian faith and welcoming them into the Christian life. Then you teach them, and in other cases, as Luther and many others would in, kind of interpret this, we catechize them. We take them through the very basic fundamental teachings of the Christian faith. So they've been baptized, they are now taught, they are now disciples. That is the equation A plus B equals C very easy, but I think a lot of people like to uh, make it B plus C and they say, uh, we'll get rid of A because I think people just struggle sometimes with the whole premise of baptism. And I think some people even will go to such an extreme and I'm, I'm just kind of throwing this out there, uh, you know, whether or not it, it, it is truly real or not, but I think there are some people who go to the extreme to say that baptism just doesn't do anything and so it's just a mere piece of ordinance if you would it's just something that we uh, you know we don't have to necessarily uh, agree upon if we don't want to and I think that's a very very dangerous um, type of teaching if we if we fail to recognize uh, how deep the sacraments uh, truly go so that's a small called Articles Very Short Pointed Stances by uh Luther that he wrote and uh we are now going to move into uh the Small Catechism and uh, we're going to ta- teach on the sacraments of Holy Baptism. And Luther pr- uh, builds us out by asking a series of questions and providing answers this is the construct that I teach my, my catechism students, my confirmands. And I walk them through, you know, in the small catechism, 10 commandments, the creed, the apostles' creed, and the Lord's prayer. And then we talk about the sacrament of holy baptism. We talk about the uh, sacrament of the altar. And then we talk about, uh, you know, other little pieces to the Christian faith. So there's a few uh, questions that Luther poses here. And this is how it should be taken. Uh, And this is questions that you can uh, challenge yourself with even still. So the question one is, what is baptism? The answer, baptism is not merely water, but it is water used according to God's command and connected with God's word. What is God's word? Answer. Answer. As recorded in Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, our Lord Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Second division, what gifts or benefits does baptism bestow? Answer, it affects forgiveness of sins, delivers from death and the devil, and grants eternal salvation to all who believe, as the word and promise of God declare. What is this word and promise of God answer as recorded in Mark 16, 16, our Lord Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned for all you critics out there. I understand that Mark 16, 16, and as did Luther, We understand that it is a later addition to the gospel. We understand, you know, if you read like the ESV Bible, it'll tell you that uh, I think from like verse 9 or 10 on in Mark 16 was an added uh, section and wasn't found in the earliest transcripts. That does not mean that we should neglect this verse. It does not mean that we should just throw it away because if it has been included in the canon of scripture, then it is obviously the written word of God, regardless of what few early fragments we have that don't have it written on it. Uh, third we have what, or how can water produce such great effects? Answer. It is not the water that produces the effects, but the word of God connected with the water and our faith, which relies on the word of God connected to the water without for without the word of God, the water is merely water and no baptism. But when connected with the word of God, it is baptism. That is a gracious water of life and a washing of regeneration in the Holy Spirit. As St. Paul wrote to Titus in chapter three, verses five through eight, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, which he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our savior, so that we might be justified by his grace and become heirs of eternal uh, heirs and hope of eternal life. This saying is sure. Here's our fourth statement. What does baptizing with water signify? Answer, it signifies that the old Adam in us, together with all of our sins and evil lusts, shall be drowned by daily sorrow and repentance and be put to death, and that the new man should come forth daily, rise up, cleansed and righteous, and live forever in God's presence. Where is this written? Answer, it is written in Romans 6, 4. St. Paul wrote, we are buried therefore with him by baptism into death so that Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. We too might walk the newness of life. So that's going to uh, take us through the small uh, catechism. There's not a ton, you know, it's not a a whole bunch of huge statements. Uh, We will dig into... Luther's, uh, large catechism. Next time there are a significant amount of statements on, uh, baptism, which we will work through, uh, 86 of them to be in uh, total. We won't go through all of them next week, but we will certainly take a stab at working through some of them and explaining some of them. And, uh, and then from that, that might just be the whole episode. And then from there, we'll, uh, see where I want to take the track Uh, on this show if we want to go back to looking at some verses and kind of exegete those a little more or if we want to perhaps uh, continue to provide some other sort of teachings so that'll wrap today's show ladies and gentlemen thanks for tuning in we will see you all later god bless